Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Watch my finger, Tim, because that will be um, I'll, I'll a cue to go. I'll hear it through your cans, I reckon. Right. Here you go, Tim. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And here we are with the World Cup quarterfinals just hours away. It's the most rugbyist time of the year. In fact, I'll say that, I have missed... The rugby midweek. That is the one it's bittersweet, this this, yes. this this part of the World Cup. Sorry, I should let me let me get the let me get the business organized first. JB's right there. Hello, Timothy. Phil is there. Hello, Tim. I'm Tim and uh, yes, thank you for listening. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Hit subscribe in your feed wherever you get us on Acast, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, because we've got pods coming thick and fast. And yeah, it's bittersweet at the minute because on the one hand we're excited because it's reached business time at the World Business Cup. time. On the flip side, no waking up and having games early in the morning. It is a shame. And this is where the World Shield competition would come in. So we could start our games on Thursday with like Namibia, Canada or some such thing. <laughs> really whet the appetite. Or maybe we start it on Wednesday with Namibia, Canada or some such thing. And then on Friday we have a game from the, late, from the Women's World Cup. All at the same time. All in the same week. Imagine finals week. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Done. <laughs> However it works, more rugby is good with me. Mind you, we've got plenty with the premiership and stuff. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll, yeah, have, a separate, we'll have a separate yes. premiership preview podcast. So like I say, hit subscribe in your feed. Let's get straight into the Rugby World Cup. Eddie Jones and Michael Checker have made some bold selections. Have they got it right? Who knows? I have no idea. <laughs> You sound like Michael Checker. Yeah, I don't know the rules. I don't what? know. What am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to know? I don't what are know. the rules? We'll find out, won't we? Yeah, no one can know that. Come on, <laughs> Tim. What's wrong with you? Um, bold calls. I think the boldest call, based on what I know, is Jordan Petea being selected for only his third uh, international game. Which, first start. Which will be his first start. He's played less than 80 minutes of international rugby at this point. He's not played that much more. Rugby of any senior, <laughs> of any kind at senior level. He's nineteen. He's never played thirteen um, internationally. He's undoubtedly, based on the highlight reels, extensive extensive highlight reels that I've seen, undoubtedly an incredible talent. Is this the time? Is the World Cup quarter final the time to be gambling on the potential of a prospective talent? Maybe James O'Connor his breathing meditation hasn't been going very well. He's not been he's got himself in a bad headspace. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's injured himself with some nunchucks. You just don't know, do you? <laughs> you don't know. Well he's on the bench. So if he James O'Connor's um the outside back sub. So mm. if he has done either of those things, it can't be that serious. It's it's all part of the it's all part of the journey, bro. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. More breathing, James. That's what he needed. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a very bold time to do it. It's a very bold call indeed. What do you think his thinking is? Um, I don't think he knows. I honestly don't think he knows. I think it's like, well, 
looking at my England team, we are going to get physically dominated. This guy's really talented. You think, you think that's what he's thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to be honest with yourself, right? I don't, I don't think Australia are thinking that about... I don't think physically dominated is what they're thinking. Well, let's break no. it down a bit. I mean, like, they are not as physically underwhelming as maybe I'm making out. Particularly the second rows, who I like an awful lot. But actually, man for man, they're going to be overpowered by, you know, 5 10%. I think, I think that's reasonable to say. And also... Well, why not? I mean, they've got no vi- they've got no video on, on on this guy. They will know best because they're training with him. So you know, they will have the inside track. And if they deem it necessary, I I guess it would be the right call. So yeah, go on. My my explanation for that selection would be what you've just hinted at, Jay. This is where my head comes. I've run it all through and trying to think it out. Think out the logic. The only place I keep coming back to is. England will have virtually no game tape on this guy. He He's a very talented runner and stepper. So maybe it is just doing something, putting someone in there who is totally unpredictable, who is a game changer and line breaker. And just remember, Matt Gitto had his debut at 19, although it was under Eddie Jones and it was off the bench. But he still had his debut at 19 with zero provincial uh, rugby. Is it provincial, you'd say? Um, franchise rugby, super rugby. Super rugby. There you go. Yeah. So it has worked before. So, two two other points I want to make on the selection. The halfback selection is interesting. Mm. Leo Leofano, I was probably expecting because he's been playing so well both for the Brumbies and for Australia throughout the summer. Um, Will Genia, I wasn't expecting because Nick White has been excellent. He has. And he's been a real threat. Um, around the breakdown mm. in order to keep defences honest and give Leo Leofano a bit more time. So I'm a little bit surprised at that. And then just to come on to the pack. So I, in preparation for the quarterfinals, as any good egg chaser would, I of course re-watched the key games from the group stages where the quarterfinalists met. So um, Wales-Australia, mm-hmm. um, New Zealand-South Africa, Ireland-Japan... Of course, I couldn't rewatch England France because it didn't happen. But rewatch that, and I think that's what I should have done with my midweek. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. I d- <clears throat> got down into the gym um, mm. downstairs in my basement and put on a rewatch of the game while I was training this week. Um, Did you hear it over Eye of the Tiger? <laughs> See, I, I love that. Phil's one of the only people I know that would have Dude, have a what? home gym that isn't that isn't just a place where you hang your shirts. <laughs> but do you know what? He's a hypocrite. He's a massive hypocrite. Because it wasn't so long ago he used to say, well, probably still says it now, gym is no place for music, no headphones. But it's all okay to watch an international rugby game down there. Well, what I say is, gym is a place for work. And as you, uh, as you well know, I take my egg chasing work very, very serious, and that is work to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not and, a hypocrite. And, and spreadsheets. <laughs> um, so, I think this pack... The Australian pack is better than people give it credit for. 100%. Their set piece is better than mm-hmm. people give it credit for. And write them off at your peril. Yep. I think they will put real pressure both at scrum time and line-out time. The bit that I think is missing, and someone put on a great article on Twitter about this, is the threat of the turnovers from their back row. And I can't remember who put this on. It might have been Alex Shaw, but I, it, I might be crediting the wrong person there. And was it a rugby pass article? It might have been. It might have been. If it was, I want to say that the the lady who wrote it's first name is Rihanna or something. So anyway, no. we'll find out who no. it is and credit yeah. it on, on on Twitter. Yeah, I'll see if I can retweet. It was, that, it, that it, was it about the sevens? It, so it was comparing. So in 2015, when Australia were well successful getting to the final of the World Cup, they ha- and hammered England mm-hmm. in a game that I was mm-hmm. at. They had pooper in full flight. They've now got Pooper in full flight, but the number of turnovers that Pooper have affected in this tournament compared to 2015 is massively down. And the article was hypothesizing that the difference is now you've got Nisarani, who is a big ball carrying number eight rather than a workhorse like Scott Fardy, who was playing number six in that scenario. So it's an interesting, it's a, it's a big, powerful pack maybe the threat of the turnover is not what it was four years ago. Or maybe, as I'd like to point out, people know how to deal with it more. 
I mean, maybe, maybe teams not, specialize now in how to disrupt how to disrupt jackals. They're not always successful, but they do specialize and supporting picking an intelligent supporting line. So you can offer a supporting from an offload mm. for a ball carrier, but also you can clear out immediately after and, they go down. And laws have been tinkered with in the last four years. I, yep. I would I would say. Going back to something that was said earlier, I I don't th- when I look at Australia, I, I don't think for the first time probably in a, in a World Cup since they last won a World Cup, I don't think they risk being overpowered. And when if they'd have, I, th- I genuinely think if they'd have started the game with the with the fifteen on the field that finished the game against Wales, th- there's every chance that they would have beaten Wales. Mm. Uh, Foley had an absolute shocker, and they just they, they played the wrong game plan. They got it right. So I I am. I'm still I'm confident, but yeah, the the, pe- the pe- Petier is is an interesting call. As as for England, let's, let's let's flip over to England and their midfield. So, I JB and I did a uh, look at our feed for a podcast with the guys from Green and Gold, our, our Aussie friends, and um, and uh, I was thinking about what we were talking about in that when I saw the team, and I and I did say that. I, I wish we'd had the France game because I mm. think Henry Slade was a man that Eddie Jones would have been looking at as very, very important coming the knockout. And he chucked him straight in. Yeah. Yep. With what? How many minutes? 30, 30 minutes? 30 maximum. And he didn't play particularly well when, oh. he, when he's been on the field because he's been injured for quite a long time. He didn't play any of the warm-up games. No. And look at form. Combine that with looking at form. Owen Farrell had a stinker of a match by his high, very, very high standards. And George Ford's been playing so well at ten, and Manu Tolangi probably isn't a twelve. So again, a bold call. I, w- I would suggest it is a bold call. And you wonder if it's reactive, don't you? So you wonder if there's a little bit of chess going on here, which is Karevi's going to play. We need a big physical presence to stop him. Maybe Ford and Farrell wouldn't be that, but maybe Tolangi and Farrell is that. Do you but th- then, is there any chance that he thought about what his knockout side would be? Before the World Cup, if I'm going to beat New Zealand or South Africa, I know the players I want on the field because this is his Six Nations yeah, winning, winning so backline. Well, not winning backline. Oh yeah, well, it's, six, it's, 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 six it's, it's the Six Nations backline. It's that the backline that played four out of the five games yes. in the Six Nations. It's the it's the ten, twelve, thirteen that played yes. um, four out of five games, and it's a centre partnership that scored five tries between them in the Six Nations. Mm. So that's where my head is. I think. He was always tinkering with the Ford Farrell as another option, and it it suits for the let's call them the easier games, the the tier two and the the slightly weaker teams. But I, in my head, this is more of a knockout rugby game. I referred to it last week. The Northern Hemisphere teams certainly play a more simplified brand of rugby when the pressure comes on. Saracens, Saracens have been unbelievably effective playing mm. a more simplified... Oh, generally, they can go expansive when they need to be, but generally more simplified game. And Tuolangi's like going to have a 12 on his back. However, I fully expect Slade to pop up with his left foot yep. closer to closer to Farrell. Yes, yeah, those two will interchange a little bit, um, which, which, again, we did see in the Six Nations. Took some great effect in some of the games, mm. lesser effect in other games. Mm. Um. I do like, I quite like the combination because you, by bringing Slade in, you've still got the two ball players. You've still got two kicking options. You've still got two ball players, and a key thing for England when there's turnover ball, when the game breaks down a little bit, it's bringing Watson, Daly, and May into the game, and you can do that more effectively by having two ball players. Yeah, agreed. Well, if I look at what would be England's strongest side. Then I think the one player I would, uh, again looking looking at the France and looking ahead uh, again, God, there's, there's no guarantees you get past Australia, but mm. uh, I, I I want Jack Noel in my fifty. So yeah. well, it shame. depends. Uh, yeah, Jack Noel is great. I mean, he really is great. Um, oh, he's like a game breaker. It's like you, you you need someone to do something. You need someone to spark something and, and find a pull a rabbit out of a hat with five minutes to go and your points down. Jack Knowles, that kind of guy. I don't think he is. I think he's a guy. Who well, makes... he did it. For, he's done it for Exeter time and again. Uh, so I, I don't see Jack Knowles. I see him as a very effective player. I see him as a guy you, you want on for eighty minutes to work hard and break and make lots of little breaks. I don't see him as you know a single big play um, Joe Cockenhauser type. I mean that that's that sort of how I. 
imagine a guy who's going to make a big intervention. Jack Noll's great, but he does lots and lots of small things really, really well, rather than one big thing. I would, I'd like him to start. I'd like him to start if anything, but not sure I'd want him off the bench necessarily. No, I like his energy off the bench because mm. he does. He works so hard, but if he he can work even harder relative in a condensed period of time. Mm. So he can he can make those maybe. 30 positive involvements in 80 minutes but he can make 15 in 20 minutes and he pops up he pops up taking balls just around the fringes of a ruck yeah king uh, of the king of the pick and go yeah, self proclaimed 100% he, yeah he's uh, anyway so that, that's irrelevant he's not in the, he's not in the yeah, 23 yeah. but when i look at the what what the cost of missing the france game was jack Noel is one of the costs mm. and he's taken a risk with henry slade but i like it i would I would probably, if I was going to have Jack Noel in my 23, he would be on my bench. A uh, quick question, can Jack Noel really play 10 positions? Uh, I'm not so sure he can be an international back row. I'm not sure he can be an international 12. Or 13, really. Yeah, he can really. do a job in oh, the oh, if, Jack, if Jack Noel was Australian, he would be in at 13 ahead of James O'Connor. That is insane. Uh, <laughs> that is just insane. No, no, they're, they're, they're completely different skill sets, different right. players. If, Jack Noel would be... Was, if he was he'll be on the bench for Australia. If he was no, actually, he'd be a back row. He'd be starting. He'd be he's, row. he's probably more he'd like Cooper than anyone else in England. <laughs> well, th- this he is... might be physically. Yeah, yeah. he might and be physically closest to Hooper. And with everyone's talking about the the centre battle, but I actually think Pooper versus Cunderhill. Cunderhill, <laughs> very good. The, kamik- the Kamikaze kids. I, I, right, just, that's, just to the, be safe. that's the battle. I'm going to call this now. That's the battle. I think the England pair of Underhill. And Curry are Cunderhill. better. Cunderhill <laughs> are better than Hooper Pocock. I, I just think that madness. madness. You can't say that. I this, can? Well, no, actually, you can this say is that in this World Cup. This is the kind of game where reputations are made. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure that we'll look back at their careers and say those two have had a better career than those two. I mean, because the two which I'm referring to. Hooper and Pocock have already had an outstanding career, so there's no taking that away from them. But at this point in time, when they meet on Saturday, I think England have an advantage with their two sevens over Australia's two sevens. Just So, maybe on form, but for longevity, I mean, Hooper and Pocock are yeah, class. And besides, Underhill probably won't last that long. He might not have any longer. I mean, I just, we, just we all, we are up, privileged to watch him play. So I've just looked up Hooper. Hooper is 27 years old. How many caps has he got? 84. 90. 98. Wow. Wow. That's like... Jeez. That, that's at least one of them George was outside North. centre. <laughs> yeah. George North is meant to be on track to beat the uh, the Welsh record for caps. I think I think he probably is, but I think... Hooper He's on is, 70 Hooper or something. is ahead of that. Good God. Yeah, so um, I think England will have the advantage. This is pri- 27... This is prime. This is yeah, this is like Hooper prime. taking his side, dude, dragged just, his side to a World Cup final. It does feel. I mean, that I'm, I'm actually astonished by that. I thought he's about 31 because he's been away, around for so, so long. long. Yeah, and he's 27. George North is also 27, and he has about 75 caps. I'd guess he's 89 for Wales and three for the Lions. So 92. Wow. Yeah, so, those those two are so on for records. Slightly ahead of him, but. Yeah, Hooper could have a, at least another and five way, years. George North another fifty plus stands caps. on the wing. Just, just, just put that into context. George North stands on the wing and has infrequent carries. Hooper sticks his head in ugly places <laughs> yeah. for eighty minutes every game. Yeah. Crikey, that's an achievement. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of the Underhill thing, and we were talking before, uh, earlier off the off air about fantasy rugby draft and the necessary robustness of players. And it's something that Gatland has referenced in when he was um, picking his World Cup squad and other people have referenced. For robustness, I mean, Hooper, to amass that many caps in that short period of time, he can hardly have missed a game for the last seven, eight, eight years. Yeah, it's remarkable. It is remarkable. And some people just just have it. I was mm. lucky enough today to have John O'Ross in that exact chair, in, in that captain's chair. And we sort of discussed that, which is... I mean, he has had a small injury, but thinking about how he plays, some players just don't get injured that often. I I read a brilliant article on ESPN last night about um, NBA mm. and basketball players. Shut up and dribble. It was it was about the tinderization of basketball players. Basketball, okay, and why? So this is a hypothesis. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there's a. Uh, a celebrity version of Tinder that the NBA players oh, are actually did on. You, did you ever, uh, Potentially. Uh, did you ever hear of the app Ballers? 
So I don't know if it's... If sorry. it's sorry. We will come back to this, Phil. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. So there's an ESPN 30 for 30. And in that episode of, I think it's called Broke, where they discuss how sports stars go broke, which of course uh, ticked all of my boxes, being financial and also sporting. They reference this app called, I want to say Ballers or honeys or it had a z in it doesn't really matter and it would send out text alerts to women so it can't be an app it must be a service it would send out uh, text alerts to a certain type of woman when nba players and en- um entered cer- certain bars and that is a service that you could subscribe ah, to ah, ah. so is that the tinderization of uh, nba well, that's what that's what you're getting at it's, yeah it's related to that <laughs> so in the last um 10 15 years the um win percentage of teams playing away has increased. <laughs> okay. And w- this article is hypothesizing that previously there's stor- all sorts of stories from the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s of players, because they're on the road a hell of a lot. Yep. They play a huge number of games a year. That's right. <laughs> um, players basically being in the club until two in the morning, popping bottles in order to get laid the night before games. And now they can basically, they, they're landing in Miami oh, the following day. Oh, I love it. They can hook up through Tinder or whatever other NBA app there is. Wasn't, wasn't Aaron Smith well, well, a, doing Agent this? with non-disclosure agreements on a clipboard yeah. outside the hotel room yeah. ready to be signed. Well, wasn't it, was Aaron... su- it was suggesting that there was there's players who will pre-arrange to have girls delivered to their hotel. So this is hookups. This is not paid or anything like uh, that. But this is... So Aaron Smith was caught doing this in Scotland. Well, remember? he was just on Tinder in Scotland, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, but I mean, that's, I guess that's the sort of thing they, they yeah, were talking about. exactly that. But going back to the injury thing... Allegedly. 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 Going back to the injury not, It wouldn't thing. be the worst thing Aaron Smith has done. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, would it? New father, Aaron Smith. Yeah. yeah let's move on. Um, so, going back to the injury thing, they've... So, they, they listed a whole host of players who were supremely, on t- supremely sorry, talented. What are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking now about injuries. Oh, yeah, sorry. But the drinking culture in those days, because people were having to hook up through clubs, was much bigger and accredited for significantly higher injury rates. So, <laughs> the article, I'll, I will. How, and, how, and how is this relevant to the quarterfinals this week? Basically, Hooper's we, all over it. No, we were talking about the robustness of players uh-huh. and injury rates. Yeah. And maybe these guys just. These guys who are. No wonder Hooper plays every game. He loves yes. the long trips. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Buenos Aires again. Awesome. <laughs> Cape Town. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> right, prediction. How do you think it's going? I think they'll they'll all be sw- uh, sw- swiping left or right. I don't, <laughs> not, I don't know. A lot Which, of people in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Or Oita. Um, Oita. I'm gonna say this. I think England are favourites. I just well, they are. That's get... a fact. Okay. No, in my well, mind. Oh, right, no, no, okay. in my mind. I'm not talking about the betting markets. In my mind, England are favourites. But what I can't shift is England's um, brittle nature. As good as they are, and let's face it, they're a mighty good team, and I think, and the different management, I think they wouldn't just be favourites, I think they'd be favourites for the World Cup by some distance. I have a feeling that there is a bad performance, and I think it might be this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say, if you want to go to betting markets and find out who are the favourites, runners and riders, go to our our friends at Betfair. That's a good idea. Betfair.co.uk. And, by the way, on the Betfair channel, there's a video uh, and podcast that's available right now that we did with... JB representing Wales, me representing England, and some fine people representing Scotland and Wales. So go and check that out. Um, and that's the one thing I I said actually on on the first one we did of those, which is England have a bad twenty minutes in them, and that's what concerns me about England. I'm just praying it doesn't come this weekend. I don't think it will, and I think we will win by ten. I am gonna. It can't be a draw, can it? Uh... I'm going to have to say, I think I probably agree, Tim. I think, think about it now, England by 10. But I would, I'm no, in no way confident. They ran Wales very close. Yeah, they did. And they finished very strongly against mm. Wales. 
Wales are a very fit team. Yeah, Wales are a very fit team. And some, that is something that England have struggled with um, in recent years, mm. the, the, the final 20, 30 minutes of games. Yeah, the first 10 minutes is going to be massive. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that, like, all England performances, cut them off early and they are done. Yeah. Because they are just so fit. I mean, they throw everything in, in, in that first 10 minutes. And if they get their tails up, and even sometimes when they do get their tails up and score three tries or four tries, or maybe in Scotland's case, five tries, it's still sometimes <laughs> it's not st- enough. still on. And that, that is a point that James Hall made with Nick Heath and Tom May on their pod, was Australia, if they want any chance of winning this, they have to start like a house on fire. They've got to stop England, but they've also got to get points. If they stop the England, they, they up, it's on. If it's nil-nil by, twen- by 20 minutes, it's massively on. Hmm. Um, and you, Phil? I'm, I'm nervous, but everything that I've seen about these two teams suggests that England should be favourites. Not massively. I mean, the, the bookies have got it... Um, Eight points, is it? The handicap? I, I'm look, so I'm looking at the... I'm using the prover- the um, the odds <laughs> to me. work out implied probability. So it's roughly uh, th- three out of four wins for England, mm-hmm. one out of four wins for Australia is, is where the odds put it. I think it's... That's probably about right in my head. Um... I mean, England have won the last six games against Australia on the bounce, which is a good thing. The last game they lost was in the World Cup in 2015, which maybe is a bad thing, because um, I mean, that, that was a knockout where were, game. Uh, where were you both for that fantastic game? Uh, I was in the East Stand at Twickenham. Are you, are you, oh yeah, you actually went to watch it with our good friends Can- Can- Canterbury. Canterbury. I did. Tim? I've, uh, it's like my mind's been bleached. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember. I tried to get so drunk after that that I would never, ever yeah. remember it. And I, I actually um, successfully achieved that in the Omani Desert for the, <laughs> for the Wa- Wales versus England game in 2015. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right. Um, so I, yeah. I'm saying England by seven points. Right. England okay. by seven. Unanimous across the board. In- interestingly, the... Odds have shortened for England since the teams have been announced. So, mm. t- read t- into that what you will, and the odds have slightly lengthened for Australia since the teams have been announced. I, I hope we're not talking about Jerome Garces, and I hope. Well, we, I mean, and I what, hope we are talking no, about. No, no. I hope we you are mean, talking about an unbelievable meltdown you, from Michael. You Checker. mean, yeah, you mean something completely <laughs> different there, Tim. You say you hope you're not talking about uh, Garces. What you actually mean is. You hope you don't lose, and you're talking about Garces. You'll be happy if you win, and, it is, and it's on Garces. No, 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 I don't. I don't I want just, any caveats. I yeah, want. I want England yeah. to win fair and square. No asterisks. No asterisks. The same with like Scotland, Japan. I, that's why I wanted no bad refereeing decisions. I wanted the game to go ahead. Yeah. And I wanted. To, uh, I, I didn't want Scotland like we have had since Craig Joubert in 2015. I didn't want any excuse. Although, with that said, if we do win. If England do win through some dodgy guys, oh yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we just won't ever t- ever mention it. Uh, right. Uh, oh, go on. No, I was oh, yeah. going to say. Okay, second game is Ireland, New Zealand. We've seen the teams, and can Ireland do it again? Seems unlikely. It just seems unlikely. Uh, I've been saying this since the start of the tournament. They feel like a team scrambling to get back to their peak, almost as if they've, in their minds, in their minds, I think that they feel that they've been better than they are, and that is a real damaging psychological place to be. They've got big characters, lots of leaders, loads of caps, they've got, and they've got a core of Leinster who have been all conquering over the last few years. Until last year, of course. Until last year, yes. So I don't, I, I don't worry too much about that. I. Most of this side were involved in the two wins. I think they've just got to do it again. And they're going to have to score over 30 points. That's pretty much how you beat New Zealand. You've got to score over 30 uh, points. It's interesting because the, if the two wins, one they did, they, the Chicago win, they mm. achieved it by scoring over 30 points. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, other, Dublin the, one at, win the one at Dublin was one try. Yeah. They, they That was really bad conditions, though, wasn't milled, it? Loads of rain. It was, it was cold and wet and yeah. greasy, but it... Yeah, so it's it's worse conditions than this, but that's I'm I'm kind of torn in my head. Do you go the thirty point route and go all out attack and hope you score more than New Zealand, which mm. is a gamble? It is. Or 
do you really try and shut up shop no. and, and hope you get... Because that game was won by a moment of magic from Stockers. Yes. Do you hope that Stockdale oh, or yeah. Ringrose or Llama off the bench gives you the one moment of mag- magic and you reduce your penalties to fewer than five? Yeah, that's what they've got to do no that. opportunity, no turnovers, because the South, South Africa game against New Zealand, New Zealand had two opportunities, two turnovers, they scored two tries. Now, that's all they need. Mm. You boys probably know this about me already. But I am a superb tactician. So <laughs> what I think I'd be doing in Joe Smith's mind is I'd have uh, a game plan where I get the attacking capability from the Chicago game and then oh. marry it to the defensive capability of the Dublin game. <laughs> it's going to be I a just say, yeah, Wow, oh my God. That's what we do. Ireland. Put yeah. your money on it now. We score 30 points here <laughs> and we concede zero <laughs> points here. Who's in? And then all the hounds go up and then you go out and win. Yeah. I... I mean, have you got a whole uh, problem with that? Uh, no, no, I, I you ain't perfect. What a great team talk. Yeah. Yeah. Off you go, boys. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to be very, very narrow, I think, in, in, in this game, Ireland. I think they're going to be the ultimate expression of Northern Hemisphere rugby, which is weird, actually, because for a long time, they've been more, they've, they've been more than that. They've sort of uh, started like that. In, well, they started you know, organs blazing under Schmidt, then they narrowed down, then they sort of started to open up a, a, again. And I think, kind of like you referenced before, Tim, when you said like Northern Hemisphere teams or who or Phil or whoever said it, um, when they get into knockout rugby or serious situations, they need to rebuild. Certainly, like Saracens do, they start to narrow down. And I think this is going to be the ultimate expression of narrow Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, they're going to rugby. they're going to absorb a lot. It's going to be like a, an elastic band stretching. But I just think New Zealand are going to ping. It's going to snap. At well, some is point. it worth talking about New Zealand for a second? Because mm. they have who I consider one of the best players on the planet, Brody Ritalak, back. And that can't be underestimated. He is just Amazing. a brilliant player. But then the rest of it kind of doesn't inspire me. I know they're very good individuals. Um, you know, Kieran Reid is maybe in the same category now as me, as, as Rory Best. I think said as me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, as like Rory Best, a guy who might have held on for a couple, couple of years too, too long. And then you've got... And a load of other lads like George Bridge and Richie Mwanga, and they're all very, very good. But they're not seasoned in, seasoned internationals. Good Hugh, could probably good, fit into that. Yeah, Good Hugh's played one year of Test rugby. Yeah, uh, uh, Cody Severis, exactly the same. Uh, Joe Moody's been a backup for the Franks boys for for quite a long time. Now he has got got a lot of caps. No, uh, Joe Moody's all, he's always been a loose head. Mm. Where the Franks boys are tight heads. Not no no, no um, one can play both sides because so, so so they have played. Yeah, in, Joe, in the Joe, same team. Yeah, yeah, they played in the same team, but one, on different sides yeah, of the yeah. scrum. Yeah. So, well, hang ha, on. They're not both tight. No, they both can play tight head, but when they're... They both do play tight head. That's their primary position. Because one was... So, Owen was always the starter. Or for the for his career, he was always a starter with Ben on the bench. Well, at Northampton, they'll be playing tight and loose. Will they? Yes. So, so they, they haven't really done that internationally. Uh and the other one, of course, is Cody Taylor, who has been a backup for Dane Coles, Dane who Coles. is on, who is on the bench. Although Dane Coles has been injured so much, mm. much in the last eighteen months that Cody Taylor's started more games. Yeah, these I'm just in the two Ireland New Zealand games, Ireland haven't had Bowden Barrett at fifteen. Yeah, and they still don't. Wait. Oh, sorry, fifteen. Sorry, sorry. sorry yeah, sorry, they, they haven't been playing against Bowden Barrett, Barrett so yeah. it's it's a slightly different proposition. Although, albeit it's the same. Essential thing they've got two sevens now. So what's changed? Yeah, two sevens and Bowden Barrett at fifteen. Yeah, and you are right to to call out um, some of the guys with limited experience, like Goodhue, Reese, and Bridge. And I, I was trying to think, I trying to think of ways that that moment of magic that if Ireland are going to do that that tight game plan and not go for the thirty point attack and the the zero-point defence. If they're going to play the tight game plan, trying to think where they can break New Zealand down. Jack Goodhue mm-hmm. has played... Very Great mullet. Amaz- ridiculous mullet. Exeter Chiefs-style mullet. Yeah, I wish Luke Cowan-Dickey had kept his. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> mullet hyphen Mullet hyphen-Dickey. Um, so, Jack Goodhue, playing at 13, he, he has possibly only ever seen one Sexton wraparound in the flesh. What? One How do you cope one. with that? So, 
Do you, do you mean one that Sexton did 17 times <laughs> in a row? Or do you just mean one? He might have only seen one in, wow. that, in that. The only time he's played against Ireland is that um, November test last year that Ireland won the very close game. And he might be, if, if Sexton can get that going and Goodhue is just all out of sorts. Imagine uh, Bastaro and Uge trying to defend the wraparound and that's what I'm thinking. There, there must be happen. some real subtle misdirection, like like great magicians. There's stuff you don't see. There must the, be something. The eyes that, go that, one way, yeah. the hips go the other. There must be something. Maybe, Sexton does maybe on you're that concentrating wrap on the wraparound. There's something else you should be concentrating on. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't or maybe it's know. a double bluff. You like that doesn't look like a very effective wraparound. There must be something else yeah, I need yeah. to keep an out for. He's not then. doing it again. He can't do it again. <laughs> and he's moving so slowly. <laughs> it's like he's treading water. <laughs> I tell you what, not having Bandiaki is interesting because, of course, he's a big physical presence, gets over the game line. Uh, they moved Henshaw into 12, I, I think, with Ringo's yeah. at 13. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite exciting now. Yeah. I I prefer that. I think I, I do I as think, well. I think Henshaw gives you more options as a 12. Leinster, Leinster, Leinster. Yeah, and Ringrose is class. I will never understand balance. As long as I live, I will never understand balance. Okay, so... I, I've seen your Twitter feed. I yeah, know. yeah, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't get it. So, uh, why would you go right for like a ring rose henshaw type combination? Okay, admittedly they might have been forced a little bit, but why would you go for like a a ring rose and then say actually we're going to remove Lama because we want it to go a bit more defensive? No, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna do it, do it. Like just throw all of your attacking players in 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 one well, go. I think someone who will be probably sitting at home reflecting and thinking exactly that is Gregor Townsend. Yes, why, exactly. Why am I That's picking? Exactly why am I picking Greg Laidlaw and Chris Harris for for uh, my for I mean, my otherwise uber attacking backline? Uh, uh, yeah. The only one, I mean, Chris Harris gets a, a, a pass because he was the only one that was any good. But once he moved to the wing, yeah, throw him on the wing. Yeah. get Hugh Jones in, um, or Rory Hutchinson, or Mark Bennett. Yeah, or or all three of them. Just <laughs> bring them, bring them along, and attack, attack, attack. Don't try and hedge your bets, saying, "Well, I've got some attacking flair, and now I'm going to yeah, augment it with defenders." T- yeah, no, yeah. no, temper it. Yeah, they, they, you know. In fact, if he's going to do that, which of course um, Gregor Townsend did, put Chris Harris at ten. Just, just forget it. Just forget the attacking <laughs> stuff. Just defend. Keith, go one uh, well, way or go the other. Yeah, Keith Ells is a very good positionally, defensively. Yeah, who and, cares? And, and Carney <laughs> as well. And Carney as well. Very well, so yeah, and I guess that'd be. So that's that. Yeah, I guess that's the um, you know the non-flippant side of the coin, which would be to say they are going to have to field a lot of kicks. They're going to have to field a lot of intelligent kicks, and that's probably where they're going to launch their launch their counters from. So uh, yeah, as much as they don't I, feel I, like attacking players in that situation, they're probably the best. It's, men for it's it. really simple. Ireland are going to say. All right, they they're gonna have they're gonna be able to break they're gonna be able to run from turnovers, but let's make sure when they get a turnover they've got to go seventy meters, not twenty meters. Mm. That's yeah. basic. That's basically Ireland's yeah, game plan, yeah. which is which is what you do against. That's exactly what I will be saying if England get through and New Zealand get through next week. Henderson needs a big game. I'm I'm very excited to see him. And do you know who they who I would have loved to have been play, playing this game? Dan Levy, Devin Toner, Devin Toner, and. You know, this is not a joke either. He doesn't get beat. Hendo beat. and Ryan is a pretty... Yeah, yeah but that's a physical second rule partnership. As someone said on the End of the Six pod podcast in, in, in Twickenham, if you need Devin Toner to win your lineouts, you've got bigger problems. And they're right. They do have bigger problems. Devin Toner kind of guarantees that you get a lot more ball than you, than you otherwise would do. And with Ritalik on the park... I mean, there's no other way to beat Ritalik consistently. Isn't it, isn't it weird? Really get, I understand so. what you're saying, but is I always find it weird that you're going like three inches makes that much of know, a difference. Three or four you, inches. Well, it shouldn't make that much of a difference. Oh, Devtone is 6'10", whereas Hendo is only 6'6". Well, can I just like, say... It shouldn't make that much of a difference. It kind of, kind of. Just something which I noticed, right? And anyone who's played at a high level will say, no duh. I mean, that's so obvious. But something which I noticed live in, live in the flash in the World Cup, and I've not, not noticed it before, is the height at which, or the amount of, at which, the, the jumpers are now leaving the lifters' hands. Now, so, certainly in the warm-ups, yeah. they were throwing a toe up. So they're throwing him up um, with hands, say, mid-thighs and mid-hammies, mid-quads, mid-hammies. But then he's going up, and they're catching him just above the knees. Yeah. So they so are literally... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. They're launching a Toji up. Yeah. And, but this is across all the teams. They were all yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. So they're throwing these guys up. It's like a 55, and they, 55 kg clean, thing, is it? clean a, isn't yeah, it? A cyst, Snatch. A, yeah. Or, or clean and jerk. Yeah. yeah, so so the so the yeah, throwing that press. Yeah. he's leaving their no, hands, nothing, and then the ball is intersecting, and this this kind of blew my mind for a little bit because obviously playing level eight rugby and knowing a little bit about lineouts, you jack the guy up, he stays stationary, the ball hits him a second later. Well, in international rugby, you can't even do that yeah, now because yeah. you've got it's to got throw to them up. They've got to be three inches out of your hands, and they've got to intersect with where the ball's going. And unless it's a terrible throw, which, you know, like chest height, and then that's fine. How, but double top, that's how an much amazing of, skill. How much of the uh, of your mind being blown mm-hmm. was down to the strong, strong zeros? zeros? Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, and also, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> wow. you're right, it is, an amazing, it is an amazing skill, but it's no more amazing than someone actually hitting double top in darts. It's like, wow, like you go up to a dartboard and go and hit double top. Yeah, but I mean, actually, someone doing it, it's amazing, but you should be able to do it because you're a professional, it's all yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I... I a double topping darts would be far more amazing if you had to jackal that dart off a 110 kilogram man before throwing it <laughs> and, and then kick the dart into touch. Here's a question. Here's a question for you. Which qualified team has got the best lineup percentage in the tournament so far? Which qualified team? So, quarterfinal team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have a wild guess and say. Think about who they've played against. I go New Zealand. New Zealand are uh, sixth. I, sixth best. I was thinking. Okay, so the I was thinking. I was thinking. I think only because of who they've played against, and partly England played without Thomas Lavanini against them. I'd think England were high. England are third, third best. Uh, okay, uh, Australia. Uh, no, no, oh, Japan will Japan. be really good. Yeah. Japan are seventh best. Seventh best. Okay. Well, I think what you've established is we don't know. So <laughs> who is it? Best South Africa. Okay. Oh yeah. Second best, that. Ireland. Just interesting. And Ireland actually had you know had a, a, more than a bit of a fright. Mm. So, that, so yeah, maybe, that maybe they won't miss Devon Toner. How do, right predictions for this game then? I I've been trying to rack my brain to to think of ways that Ireland are going to win this, and in these conditions with this team, with the fact that. Ireland have won two out of the last three encounters against New Zealand. So New Zealand will be unbelievably up this. They're going for their third consecutive World Cup. I just three can't. Feet. I cannot. I cannot see an Ireland win. The I only way is if they keep it ultra narrow yeah. and give New Zealand zero opportunities. And New Zealand butcher opportunities. Yeah. Have, have a bad and day I, at the office. I, I agree. Just, I cannot see that. So give me New Zealand by... Ten points. What What do you see as? Oh, so, so you, so you're saying, which is going to be my question. I'm sort of in, inferring from you saying ten points that you think an upset. Well, if you can call any game at this level an upset, an upset of Australia beating England is more likely than an upset of Ireland beating New Zealand. Yes, yes. I do. I I think that. I think that as well. The, the markets think that as well. Yeah. Um, it's um, one in roughly. One in six, the implied probability would be roughly Ireland win one in six of these games based on the betting markets. And that. Death, taxes, and losing and quarterfinals in World Cups. Be glorious, just what Ireland do. Yeah, and again, I think based on the teams, based on the conditions, based on everything I know, that one in six is probably about right mm. for, for Ireland. Which takes us on to Sunday. And, well, let's, let, let's, let's deal with Japan, uh, South Africa. Do, okay. Uh, d- d- does anyone think this is going to be close? Because um, no, uh, well, me... I, I, I actually think I think South Africa are going to 
do it comfortably. Let me pose a different question to you, okay? Uh, which I think is probably a better question than lead, lead on to that. Do we actually know enough about Japan to call this in, intelligently? And the reason I say that is, it, before the, the tournament, we had zero expectation of them beating Ireland. Then uh, that, after, that's not quite fair. I, I had pretty much zero expectation I, of beating Ireland. I thought well, they, I thought do, they, do, I thought they would the beat Scotland. Twenty-five point advantage to Ireland. Twenty. Um, and, and in our, and in in the preview pod, I said, I said, when you look at Japan, look, Ireland won't be troubled by them, but Scotland, hundred percent. Yes, will. that's that's pretty much. So then I yeah. thought, well, okay, they've got lucky once, nothing expected of them. They go up against Scotland, and they annihilate. They didn't just beat them; they annihilated them albeit with a certain amount of weakness. But I simply just don't know enough about this team to make an intelligent prediction because well, I've uh, seen a lot of the South African team and I think I've seen two games in well, full for Japan yeah. and it maybe combined 60 minutes prior to that. All right, a, a, slightly, a slightly different question again and I know it's not a like-for-like comparison so it's, but just if you imagine South Africa last week taking on Scotland, what, what do you think would have happened? Oh... Um, uh, more points tw- to South yeah, Africa. T- a, it probably would have ended up something like 40 points to 10. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, yeah, I'm with that, yeah. So, uh, so I just think the power, and but yeah. it's, it's not just, it's actually what I love, talk about balance, yin and yang and all that, what I love about South Africa is this absolutely giant pack with six so more good. giant men to come off the bench. They are so... And an electric back line. They, I mean, they are so intimidating. Nine and their back three and outside centre are just electric. It's hard to disagree with you. I mean, yeah, yeah they, are, they are awesome. They are... I, I, can't, I can't remember a more impressive pack I mean maybe England's starting pack at the moment would be kind of running them close but then England's replacements don't even hold a candle well, to South Africa well, New Zealand did a job on them remember that yeah and I wonder so yeah. when I look back at performances so far the only team I can possibly think of that hold a candle to Japan in terms of their skills and where they play would be New Zealand so that sort of breaks in breaks in Japan's favour Outside of that, I don't see much else. It did does. you rewatch South Africa, New Zealand? How did how did New Zealand undo South Africa it, it, so comprehensively? So first twenty minutes was all South Africa. Yeah, they had so much territory in possession. They had so many opportunities, and after twenty minutes, with all of that, they were three points to nil up. And then after thirty minutes, New Zealand were seventeen three up <clears> because <throat> of two turnovers that they yeah. exploited brilliantly. Now, when I was watching that, I'm trying to think through to this game and what I knew about Japan the so New Zealand their defence and the Crusaders defence throughout all of Super Rugby has just been immense yeah. they are masters at soaking up pressure soaking up pressure soaking up pressure and then breaking Japan, Japan's defence has been very good but I just cannot see them I cannot see them sustain, sustaining a 20-minute barrage like New Zealand did and only conceding three points. Yeah, and I, I think, I think if, if South Africa turn it on for 20 minutes like that, they could be 20 points up after that 20 minutes. Now, South Africa cannot play like that for 80 minutes. They, they didn't against New Zealand. They couldn't against Italy. Even with Italy, when they went down to 40 minutes, they couldn't sustain that physical mm. dominance for, for such a long period of time but they will be able to sustain it for more than long enough against Japan. Yeah, and Japan, I mean, I don't know the stats, but just with the, you know, with the eyeballs, don't look like they have anything around the breakdown to disrupt or disrupt or steal. Now, I'd need to look at the stats to prove that, but that's just my gut feel. So yeah. how do they take the ball off South Africa? Yeah, I get that. And I, I think, um, yeah, I, that, that, you're kind of both in line with where my thinking is. And it's, it's, if Japan are close after half an hour then I think that the odds move more and more in their favour because yeah. they, they can move a big pack around, and, which is why fit. South Africa have gone for six on the bench because Razi Erasmus is going to try and get them to keep that. Only two of the only two of the pack have got to play 80 minutes. So Crikey, he's going yeah, to try and keep the like intensity that. At, that, at that level. But the longer the game goes on, the more, the more chance Japan have. I just think, unfortunately, and I want it to be close, and I want South, if South Africa are going to win, I want them to do it late on. I, just, I think it might well be... 
I mean, if they largely all, done and dusted before half time, I don't. I'm not going to say South Korea are going to be that dominant because if I think about the Ireland game where I was certain, so were the bookies and everyone you know, thought Ireland were going to smash them. Well, they lost. So I think it'll be closer than that, but yeah, South Africa will win, and by the end, maybe it's two, maybe it's two scores. Mm. The one thing I will flag in um, Japan's favour is the South African centres are good defensively. They have bloody direct, strong runners. They are nowhere near as creative or skillful as the Japanese centres. So maybe there's something that can be done to work instead of bat. Japan can. They will not batter their way through them, but they can intelligently work their way around them like they did, uh, well, for some of the island tries and against Scotland. Six, 60 million people watched the game against Scotland. I just, I, I hope it's close. I really hope it's close. A small island nation. Whatever, whatever happens, it doesn't, actually <laughs> ma- it doesn't actually matter. The legacy is um, secure. You're looking for your phone? Yeah, I am. It's down there to your oh, right. Thank you. Um, which uh, takes us on to the final game. Very, very intriguing one as well. Yep. Unlike the others, this is... North v North, and it's also the smallest, um, the smallest spread, six points to Wales, and that's it. That I found that really interesting. Yes, because because um, I, yes. I I see Wales do, doing a doing a proper job on France. Why? Because they are they've got that they they've shown that they can absorb um, attacking. Really good attacking teams, but they've just got so much more, and they've got game-breaking talents themselves, and they've got cohesion, they've got experience, they've got flair, they've got structure, they've got robustness, and yeah, I I just I don't see this being as close as all that. I I, I, I agree, I, I absolutely agree with all of that. Um, it is the yin and yang. You've got the the. Mm the discipline structure of the Welsh team, the chaotic lack of leadership and lack of structure of the French team. But there is that, there's always that niggling feeling. It's such a cliche, but it is a cliche because it's true. It does depend what France France team turn up. If France can play like they did for the first 25 minutes against Argentina or the first five and last 15 minutes against USA, there could be an upset. Mm. But I just can't see them doing that consistently. I haven't for actually seen their. I haven't, I haven't actually seen their team. They've gone with the kids. Uh, I've not seen it. Um, I don't know if it's actually it's not, been, no. It will come out tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I just think World Cup quarterfinals. It's time. And it's the same when I look at Australia. I think actually, what will make the difference is Leo Leofano as good as he is. And I, I could sound like an absolute prat, and we could be listening back to this on Sunday very, very differently. But I just think. Australia are going in not quite sure what their 10 is. France are going in with a with with a guy that at the next World Cup is going to be a, a star Unreal. but but I just don't I just don't see it happening now. Mm. Yeah. Andre, convince me that France are going to win. Okay, so <clears throat> the coolest thing in rugby at the moment to, uh, to say is resource the ruck. Uh, no, yeah, resource the <laughs> ruck. I mean that is easily the coolest thing. Affect the turnover. Affect the turnover. I, I did say it earlier actually. Um, I cringed. It's to go. It's do this counterculture thing and say, "Look, uh, rugby's too professional now." Uh, well, I, y- it, you're, you're a proper rugby hipster. If that's the case, you would you've been doing that for years. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the idea of which France turns up is just a cliche. Don't forget, they went out last year with a small whimper to France, to which I say, absolutely, absolute nonsense. Uh, France are good. France are good. I mean, they're not very good as France, but they're very, very good as all the individual constituent parts. And they only need to show up. And they only need to show up and do something like they did in Paris, where they gave the Welsh an almighty scare. Now, if we revisit history, that basically means that Wales lose that game, England probably win a Grand Slam, and this World Cup looks completely different. France are good. Their, uh, their, their, Their players are good. And, you know, they've got players such as the captains who won three European Cups. They've got players in some of the, you know, the biggest club sides in, in the world. So the idea that these guys are completely incompetent is wrong. And if Wales go in, into there thinking that, well, well, they, they're they, they won't. And it's interesting you pick up on the, the narrow and, some would say, fortuitous Paris win. Actually, a win, the, in, a win in Paris is should fill Wales with immense confidence. They shouldn't be looking at that because... 
it's such a hard thing to do. They will know in their heart of hearts if, if Uge didn't didn't drop that ball or if things didn't go their way, they would be on, on the end of a bit of a beating there because France were physically dominant. Now, the flip side to this but, is... Rugby's 80 minutes. Well, yeah, but the, but the, you know, that game was a gift. And I think everyone... Because by the same token, if you want... But by that same token, if a different referee in the Argentina-France game and France are out the World Cup. Uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I mean, fine. And Sorry, I'm just uh, trying to work on this. What's happened here? It doesn't matter. I'll carry on talking. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. The, the flip side to what I was going to say about that, that, about, that, about that Paris game was France put out quite literally one of the biggest packs the, the world has ever seen. And the pack that they'll be going into uh, the game with on Sunday is significantly smaller than that. And you know that, and that, those sort of things do matter. I'm going to go for a, for a France win here. It just seems too e- too easy and too obvious for Wales to to, to roll roll in and steamroll France. I don't think I don't think I don't think that they can. I think the French pack will be too physical, and I think they'll get some tries early doors. And also, we've seen in small, very small uh, phases, France look pretty good. First half of Argentina, first ten minutes and last ten minutes of USA, and there are also very good players. So give me give me France by ten. If England had had the same, if if basically England had had France's performances and France had had England's, you'd be saying England were going out comfortably. Yeah, yeah but England not France, and <laughs> yeah, England look at the game in a very English way. They consider it to be a sport, whereas the French well, consider it to be an art an art form. A we passion. are the one, we are the one nation that 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 English way of looking at it is one. Uh, is it more Grand Slams than anyone, and the only Northern Hemisphere team to win a World Cup? So you know, it serves us all right. Yep, uh, absolutely. But um, like I say, it isn't it isn't France. So. Give me France. We're split at the moment, Phil. Where do you see this one falling? Wales by... I don't don't think Wales will run riot, although this, Josh Adams in particular has scored some very nice tries, and Gareth Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Wales by at least a score. So, uh, what I'm kind of picking up is, is... Well, Phil and I tend to be in agreement in that we're saying the most convincing to closest wins in the quarterfinals will be South Africa beating Japan, followed by New Zealand beating Ireland, yeah. followed by Wales beating France, yeah. followed by England beating Australia. Yeah. I, I actually I would say that, yeah. I, I think So the most uh, likely upset is England Australia in my head. Yes. I I, I think that I, I agree with that. I don't I don't think we're gonna see one an upset in the quarterfinals, but we so, could we could sound very, very silly. I'm just looking back um at the last time Wales met France in the World Cup. Was that Warburton red card? It was Warburton red card. Wow, it's a long time ago. It's, it's a lot, eight years nine, ago. Nine, nine, six in score? Nine, eight. Nine, eight. Nine, yes, eight. Lee, Warbur- Half, Lee Halfpenny missed a long-range kick. Warburton uh, red card after 19 minutes. Um, oh, God, that was one of the worst games of rugby I've ever seen. Can you name any players? I mean, it wasn't. It was a great game of rugby, but still. Can you name... Any players, I think there's one French player who um, could play this Medard. weekend. Medard. Very, oh, very exactly good. exactly who I was going to say. Um, and French players, uh, sorry, Welsh players, there's a few. Oh, Alan Wynn. One, two, Yeah, three, Alan Wynn, obviously. Ken Owens. Four. Ken Owens wouldn't have been about then, would he? He was not. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. no. So, no it wouldn't. So, uh, five. George, George North. Was probably about. George North was about. Halfpenny was about. Was Half, Liam Williams about? Halfpenny was about. No. no, no. Liam um, Williams was not about. Jonathan Davis. JD. Was he about? JD was there. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, hang on, hang on. We're missing an obvious one here. Oh, uh, the, 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 the big lock with a beard. Was he about? Ball. No, he wouldn't Ball, have been about. no tips, no. What? I think, I think you might have... So you said... Halfpenny, North, Davis, Alan Wynn. There is one other who's in the squad, but it's. I don't think he'll be playing on on Saturday. It's um, Bradley Davis. Of course, I love Bradley Davis. And, and An then absolute warrior. Then um, Stephen Jones will, of course, be coaching Wales as a tack coach. He was on the bench <laughs> at the time. Love it. Yeah. Right. Enjoy the quarterfinals. Hit subscribe oh, in our feed and uh, make sure you listen to our Premiership preview podcast yes, as well. Premiership. Oh, and do, do, do you want to just put the green and gold on the end of this or should we do it separately? Or just go to green and gold? Yeah. 
It's fine. I think we covered off a lot of it anyway. We've been, this this is long enough. You don't need a whole green and gold one on the back of it. But but I, we, but we do recommend green and gold, of course. Hundred percent, of course. Yes, of course. Let like the boys play. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.